0: You know how it always feels like you're always losing all the time? The reason for that is that even though we're hitting 97% success, that 3% is the loudest, it's the most painful. You have to remind yourself that there's 97% of people out there that are really happy and you and your team have to see that over and over and over again and you have to put yourself in that positive mindset, not because it's fake, but because that's the only way you can win. You have to be in the mindset that I can make this next shot or else you're not gonna make the next shot. to
1: the Eight Figure Agency Show, where a successful entrepreneur and a soon-to-be-successful entrepreneur help you build an eight-figure agency by documenting their failures and successes. Guys, episode four. Gary, how you doing today?
0: Doing good, man. Doing good. Learning, growing. I love what we're doing, the content. I love all the comments and the messages we're getting about it. I'm really excited about what we're building.
1: Yeah, I'm. I've been having a lot of fun with this. You know, my team edits all the content. They're having a blast. They rave about it all the time. They really, really enjoy it. And it's funny because I had a team meeting the other day, and Kyle, who's the main editor for this show, he actually he's bringing up stuff. He's like, I remember when I was editing episode three. Gary said this about personal branding. What if we tried this? He did that like four times, and I was awesome. laughing like crazy. Uh, so the value is is you know being provided here, and people are enjoying it. Guys, this is going to be a really – I think I have a good feeling about this episode. I had a lot of things happen and I have a decent amount of questions for Gary all around um, really integral parts of growing an agency. I'm at a really pivotal point right now in the company
0: that um, – Why, why do you r- say that? Why, like, why is it a pivotal point? I'm at a you know
1: point where we've kind of hit a bit of a plateau revenue-wise. This is the first month where it looks like we're not onboarding any new clients, right? We still increased revenue because we upsold current clients, but
0: we're not actually What's onboarding revenue? Can, new. Can you share your revenue? Where yeah, yeah,
1: we're at right now, last time I ran my number is approximately still 20. It'll probably be about 22 by July, approximately. Perfect. Give or take. Okay. Yeah, that, okay. that's where we're at. Um, so we missed the goal of onboarding at least one client this week, and it's really been an uphill battle. Um, for those of you who remember in episode one, I touched on it, but cold email has been the number one way we've driven sales. And since then it has literally plateaued. You know, we went from mm. doing 50 messages a day um and getting a decent amount of meetings, like filling up my schedule pretty decently, to zero meetings, like literally zero. Um, and that was a little bit difficult to see because we've been working through things. We've been testing things and nothing seems to stick. So there wasn't um, the spam,
0: it wasn't the spam problem that we thought?
1: It might have see because so what we did is the, the person who was sending the emails, he used a mail tracker, right? And so he used the same email to continue sending emails and 50% of them are being opened. So I don't think that can be attributed to spam in that case. So there was something there that wasn't letting people, you know, book that meeting uh, per se. but. We've been testing a lot of things, and we actually spoke to Liam, who's in the mastermind, and he was like, "Dude, you should try sending like custom videos. Like, what if you sent custom videos to prospects in the emails, and instead of just doing a traditional cold email, you sent them a video?" So I was chatting with the BDR and you know going over what that might look like and how we can execute on it. But I'm turning to you, Gary, today as you know my first question what do I do to get over this plateau? Is there some new service that I should be looking into? Is there something, do I I just keep doubling down on what I'm doing now, get through this, find a new way to get leads? Like, How do I navigate this?
0: Yeah, I definitely, as we've talked about this off air a couple of times, I do think that your niche is a little small because you are not just serving podcasters, you're only servicing podcasters who have money to afford your services. And that is a small, small category of people. Most podcasts don't make money. And so it's a big investment for them. So you either have to come up with a service that's more affordable for them uh, because so because they want to get their podcast out there. It helps them in other ways. Or you need to expand your horizon of who you can actually serve.
1: Mm, so, so if we were to talk about expanding the horizon of who I'm serving, what would that look like? Right. Because I... We're discussing expanding to content creators, and we've actually had the BDR try to do that. So we've reached out to content creators, you know, YouTubers and Twitch streamers, right? And we've Uh had them, you know, post to them, hey, we'll actually go through your Twitch stream and we'll pull clips from it, right? Similar to what we do with the podcast, but on a different level for a different market. We've reached out to like over 400 people so far, and we've had one meeting from it. So like the numbers are not looking good. The BDR says, hey, give it time. I really have a good feeling about this. But I'm like, hey, the numbers are kind of speaking for themselves. We're getting really low open rates, really low reply rates, and no meetings are coming from it. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. So if I was a gamer and I'm, t- and I'm live streaming on Twitch, how much, money, how much more money could you make me by offering me your service?
1: It really depends on where we're putting the clips and what their goal is with the clips. You know, for a creator whose goal is to make more money, what we would do for them is we'd get them a really large audience on a platform like TikTok where they might not currently be on. And we put ads into the clips that we make for them. So it could be anywhere right. from, you know, 25% more, 50% more, even 100% more, depending on how much they actually want to monetize versus just grow their audience.
0: So that's, that's where... You need to beef up if you're going to be successful in that space. Now it's a new space, so it's there's a huge opportunity, right? And so how I would go in and filter that is I would go and find somebody who's not already um, do, like performing your services in their space, but you see major upside for them to make a lot more money, and I would offer them my services for 90 days for free. I would just say, hey, I want to. I have a theory that this is going to be huge for you guys, and I want to prove it to you. And I'm so confident I'm going to do it for free and or for for you know 100 bucks or something make make them put some skin in the game but um but very low like get make it so they can't say no and then once you have that then you take that model and that's what you talk to the gamers about so you say hey we worked with this gamer they were making this much money now they're making this much money here's how we can help you i also think that that's how you should be approaching the podcast too is that how you're framing the conversation with them
1: no, um, I mean, that's how we did it when we first started, right? Like when we first got our first few clients, our rates were like half what they are now, and it was really different. No, no, no. I don't but- I'm
0: sorry, not not I don't mean the rates. I mean when you're having these conversations, when you're reaching out to the podcast host, mm-hmm. are you framing it and how they're going to make more money?
1: Uh no, we we're not. We're not. Because the actually i found, and this is funny, because we spoke about this in a mastermind um a couple of weeks back. I was like, Gary, I'm trying to figure out how to put dollars right to tracking a podcast view. The I've you know, given this option to maybe half my clients and every single one of them were turned off by the idea. They were like, Derek, we don't want to monetize more. We just want to reach more people. And that's like our only goal. So when they said that, I was like, whoa, are you guys serious? Like if we could give you more revenue without you lifting another finger, you don't want it. They're like, yeah, we're kind of good on revenue. We just want to reach more people.
0: Got it. Okay. So, so everybody wants more eyeballs, but why do they want more eyeballs?
1: See, that's the thing. I thought it was money for them. It's really literally just more reach. Right, I really impact. still so they
0: want to impact more people. Yeah, yeah. So then that's what you need to focus on is like, hey, you can I can help you triple your impact. Hmm. Okay, so I can you're help saying you triple your impact. Yeah, so give I them whatever they want. Way. Right.
1: <laughs> I think what what I'm you know why I'm laughing is because I'm looking at it the wrong way. I was always looking at it as you know reach is reach, but I wasn't looking at what the reach is getting them aside from money. I was always looking at reach and money, um, but No, that's really interesting. So impact, um, that that's huge. I'll I'll tell you this: I've had
0: people try to sell me, right? So they're like, "Gary, if you pay me ten thousand dollars a month, or if you pay me seven thousand dollars a month, you're going to be able to do this, 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 right?" And and they start selling me, and I'm like, "I don't have anything to sell." So how are you going? How am I going to pay for this? And they're just like, Hmm. "Well, what what what's your what's your play? What's your angle?" And I'm like, "I don't have an angle. I want to build a community." of marketers. And I just want to help everybody grow their business. And I'm sure someday down the road, it'll be valuable. And I'm sure there'll be opportunities, but right now I just want to help people. And they couldn't, they couldn't sell against that. Right. They couldn't, they couldn't package it. So what I would really recommend is figure out what their why is, why are they doing what they do? So like in dentistry, it's helping more patients, right. And, and, and what, in the, these podcasts, it's impacting people. I I do a podcast to help people buy their first home or whatever. Okay, cool. Would you like to help more people buy their first home? It's a really big mindset shift. Yeah, you got to get to their bottom line, like whatever their bottom line is. Now, money is part of it and money, it has to make money sense, right? So you're going to need to have that included in your pitch because if you're like, well, I'm going to charge you five and you're only going to make, you know, 500 bucks, I'm charging you 5K and you're only making 500 bucks, then most people aren't going to do it. But if you're like, hey, I'm going to help you impact double the people. So your reach right now is minimal because you're only shooting long form. I'm going to help you by reaching people who can't watch a whole podcast. And that's going to quadruple your reach. And you're going to impact more people. And it also makes economic sense because here's how the monetization works on that.
1: That's actually perfect. No, that's a really, really big mindset shift. I've kind of been looking at it the wrong way. And I think that that's going to help me break through this in July. So when I'm going to start approaching more people, I guess really the next question would be this and kind of where we started the episode at. Pitching these people is one thing, right? But how do I reach these people is the question. With the direct email or the, the cold email situation not working anymore, any advice on what I or someone listening could do in a situation like this?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So here's what I would do is I would set up a podcast and I would bring on all my potential guests. And then I would edit those clips and share them with them and just say, hey, here you go and look and have tens of thousands of views on those and, um, and get in front of every single guest, every single client that you wanna get in front of. And I would start at the top of the list and just work down. And I would shoot like three a week, 30 minute slots, boom, boom, bang them out. And so that way, every month you're meeting with 12 potential clients, 12 or more potential clients. And you are also still doing all your bottom feeding stuff. Mm,
1: okay. Yeah. You know, it's crazy, right? Because Gary, when I first, he told me this idea a couple of weeks ago, we're actually doing this. Like We set this in motion. I'm not going to say the name of the show Did you? yet. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. But we set this in motion, had a team meeting about it. He calls me. It's like 8 p.m. for me. He Calls me. Dude, I have an idea. This is why Gary's a legend. You guys should follow him. But he calls me. He gave me this idea. And since then, I talked to my team. We put this in motion. So you're saying basically you think that if we went hard on content, in addition to sending the cold emails right? Cold emails are going to do their thing. We're going to keep testing and keep iterating and seeing what works and something will come of it, right? Even if it's less than it was before, but you were saying that this content thing would might even be a great way to drive referrals. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to drive referrals because you're going to, they're going to show it, right? People are going to share it. Like if I bring you on my podcast and then I cut a super sweet edit, edit of that and make you look really good and it gets a bunch of views and I tag you in it, what are you going to do with it? You're gonna mm-hmm. share it, and guess who you share it with? You share it with all of your community, and guess who your community is mixed in there? Other people who are like you that have podcasts and those kind of things. So it's 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 perfect. Now, the other thing that I think you need to be really careful of is there's a lot of people who offer your service. A lot of people that offer video editing as a service. That's not actually what you sell. Yeah, and you need to be very careful of this. So the there's a commodity. Aspect to what you do. So I let's say I want to get my videos edited, and I can go out and I talk to Derek and I talk to three other people. And Derek's I'm just using round numbers five thousand dollars. The other guy's three thousand dollars, and the other guy's two thousand dollars. From a commodity standpoint, like if I'm buying paint for my house, I just go with the cheapest option because it's not it's not like the paint's going to make my house two thousand dollars better. That's a commodity mindset. You do not want to fall into that. That's very 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 dangerous. And when you sell or present yourselves in that way, if you're doing SEO, if you're doing website building, whatever, whatever you're doing, if you present it that way, you are stuck, you're you're done. Like You're just raced to the bottom on pricing. What you have to do is you have to actually present where your true value is and what actually makes you unique and doing something that nobody else can do. And this is why niching down is important and getting niched in your uh, actual offering is important as well because then you can actually... Get really, really clear on this. So the main, the main thing that I would sell, if I was in your shoes, is storytelling. You, you, the business owner. So if I'm selling your service to Derek, Derek, you know your business better than anybody, and you can talk about all the topics better than anybody. But when you talk for an hour, you don't know which part of those are actually the most valuable conversations to be putting out to the audience. It's going to get the most traction. That's what we actually know how to do. So all you need to do is get on your podcast and talk, and we're going to 3X your reach. That's very compelling because you can't outsource that to any video editor.
1: Hey, I'm going to steal that, if you don't mind. (laughs) I'm going to steal that last line because that was really good. Um, And that's, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, I'm honestly speechless because I'm just going to go back and iterate on that, and I'm going to do exactly what you said. We're going to do the the show. We're going to do the content. We're going to do the continuation of the cold emails. I'm going to pivot the sales a little bit. I think I was a little bit too focused on, you know, money rather than not money, you know, coming in from clients, because that really has been my focus for a little bit now, but more so I got a little bit too focused on or not focused, but rather on the wrong thing of what the clients actually want and what the prospects want. I was thinking they want to make more money, but that's not the case for everybody. And for our ideal clients and the ones we work with now, that isn't the case. So that that's really, really helpful. I think that for me and it it pivots well into this next thing so once you have the clients so for me i have about seven or eight clients right now this continuation of this issue where with client retention right making clients stickier keeping them longer I have a certain client right now who is not super engaged in the service, right? They're paying their bill every single month. They're doing like the very, very, very bare minimum. But like when I'm reaching out to them, say, hey, guys, we have a monthly meeting that needs to be scheduled. Please pick a time most convenient. It's been almost a month and they still haven't scheduled. But they've answered back now finally about, you know, the the, the outstanding work what do I do? Do I put my foot down and say, guys, if you don't schedule this meeting, I'm going to consider this the last month. We need to be all in on this or it's nothing. Like, how do I navigate
0: this? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that extreme. I would just say more than likely you're going to lose them if they're getting to that point. Right. But, but I wouldn't assume the worst. I would assume the best. So I would say, Hey, I'm just wanted to reach out one more time. I, I am assuming that everything that we're doing for you is crushing it and you guys are super busy and you don't even have time for me, which is awesome. But if that's not the case, let me know. I want to try to make sure that you guys are getting value. I don't want to I don't want you guys to be paying us and not getting value from us. That's really important to me. So assume don't go into the dark place, especially even though it's safe to assume that they're probably going to leave you, but don't communicate that way. Communicate from the positive upside.
1: Mm, see, I like I like that a lot, and I'm actually gonna do just that. I'm gonna send them an email like that. See, see, we use Slack to communicate with clients, and like for example, today, a week and in- a week and a day later, they was finally got a reply after sending an email last night for like outstanding work, and they're like, "Hey, it's approved," but all the message about the meeting was ignored. I think I'll do just that. Like, I'll continue doing it because look, at the end of the day, for me right now, the the, the clients about 10 percent of revenue, so it's not like oh my god mm-hmm. if they leave, but 10 percent of revenue where I'm at, I mean, you guys can do the math. It's still no, money, right? It's big, yeah. right? So I'd rather keep them if if I could, right? Um, I guess then regarding client retention, what would be your you know, tips on creating the best client experience from the point of when they purchase to the point of when you're fulfilling the service so that you could keep these clients as long as possible?
0: Yeah, first thing is, is you want to early win as, as much as possible. And you really want to make sure that you're front-loading all the victories uh, and, and getting that momentum. And then from there, you need to continue to... Dis- communicate value and you have to do it from every angle, right? So you have to figure out, remember what their goals were. You have to have that conversation up front of what are you trying to accomplish? So I just had a meeting with a 55 location dental practice and I said, okay, where, where are you guys at? You know, they're spending over $2 million a year on marketing and they're at, I think 2,400 new patients a month. They want to get to 3,600. That's the mission. That's the goal. I know if I help them get there, we're good. But let's say we get there and they stop communicating. Well, that means they're probably looking at other options. Maybe there's cheaper options. Maybe there's somebody who can do it faster. Maybe there's somebody who can do it better. So there's marketing. Here's, Here's the pros and cons of marketing. Marketing is an amazing company that you can start because you can just start from scratch. You can go hustle it out. And everybody always wants to talk about marketing, so it's the easiest to get your foot in the door. Go try to be an accountant or, or 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 a lawyer or something like that. You can't just get your foot in the door that way. Marketing. Everybody always wants to talk about the new marketing thing, always. But that's also the biggest risk of marketing as well. Is that no matter how well you perform, I've made people an ROI over six, seven and then they let us go because hey somebody can might be able to do it and save us a couple thousand dollars and get a little bit more ROI out of it because they they seemed more hot at that time so you have to there's that's the pro and the con and you really have to protect that
1: so you know, I'm really glad you know we we went this direction because I have a really interesting thing that I think you're going to really like. So if you remember Liam, I it was something that I asked and, and Liam brought something up. He's like, you always have to be selling, and it's such a simple yeah. thing, but it blew my mind because it's crazy. A couple of weeks back, you know, we were talking, and I was like, hey, I have a feeling a couple of my clients are drifting away. The next day, I went back. I upsold them, they re-signed for an additional half a year term, and I'm making more money, and they came back for asking for more after that, after I was under the impression that they were going to leave. What are your thoughts on that? And is that a way to get around that of A, not being a commodity, and B, like you're explaining, when you're getting the results for clients and they start going elsewhere, you resell them to get them back in the door?
0: Yeah, you want to always be selling, but you want to sell to the next logical step. You don't want to just be like, hey, I got this. This next thing that I want to sell you, and it doesn't make sense for the next step. So, what is the next logical step in the marketing journey? So, for us, when we sell marketing packages, we also have coaching packages to help them convert the marketing. No one questions that. No one's like, why are you doing that? You guys shouldn't be doing that. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's really good, really good that you guys offer that because we'll probably need it. So, it's offering the next thing. And and you keep you have to keep doing that. And in the marketing world, you're gonna to have to keep providing that next thing and that next step. And that's going to really help lock in your clients over the long term. I would also say on the on 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 communication with the clients, you, you want to make sure that you're always communicating value. Again, what are you actually providing to them? And don't fall in the commodity trap. You just absolutely cannot fall in the commodity trap. Now the other thing to help with your anxiety, so you, I understand the anxiety that you feel. Every agency owner feels the anxiety that you feel like, we're going to lose somebody. We have over 500, 600 dentists that we work with, and I feel that. Like, we're going to lose somebody. How I alleviated that pain is I have a place where I can see where the clients that are not winning all in one place. And I and we track that number now. So one of the things that we added to our, our tracking in all of our meetings is... What percentage of our clients is reaching their lead goals? And our target is 97%. And we do this for two reasons. One, it helps me and the team with the anxiety level of like, hey, we are winning. But also, you know how it always feels like you're always losing all the time? It feels like you're losing constantly. The reason for that is that even though we're hitting 97% success, that 3% is the loudest. It's the most painful. And that can consume all of your time. You have to remind yourself that there's 97% of people out there that are really happy. And you and your team have to see that over and over and over again. And you have to put yourself in that positive mindset, not because it's fake, not because it's made up, not because it's contrived, but because that's the only way you can win. It's true in sports. It's true in business. You have to be in the mindset that I can make this next shot or else you're not going to make the next shot.
1: Yeah, my mind is blown. (laughs) I've left speeches once again, I find that that's becoming a trend when we do this. show. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I got to get a little selfish here, right? I got to ask you this then, Gary, of of everything we you and I have spoken about, what do you think for me is the number one most important next step that I need to take to make sure that I get over this little plateau that I was mentioning, you know, 20 minutes ago? What do you think that that would be?
0: I think where you're probably stuck if you made me guess is that you need to be innovating and you're trying to figure out the recurring model right now and the recurring models on too much of a niche opportunity and which is good. Like I always tell everybody niche down, but you got to be careful because you can go too niche, right? And so now you're trying to innovate and recur at the same time. Most businesses struggle as you try to do that. And so you need to be able to step away and say, okay, I need to go innovate. I'm gonna innovate this thing, or I need my team. Maybe you have people on your team that are good at innovating. We need to innovate this, build it, and then you need to give everybody, tell everybody, we may be wrong on this. So we're gonna test it, we're gonna run it out, and then if it's wrong, then I'm gonna be the first to say it, and we're gonna shut it down, and we're gonna to innovate to the next thing. Innovation is where you're, you, it might be a new product, it might be a new uh, vertical. Uh, it, but you need there's something else that's needed here for you to continue to have the growth that you've experienced.
1: Yeah, this is totally on me because this is exactly what I needed to hear. Um, I have team members who for over a month now are like, hey, we should do this. We should do this. We should do this. Let's do this. We should try this. I could do it. Let me run with it. And I and I let them run with it, but I didn't let them run with it at the same time. I kind of stifled yeah. it because I was focused on... It. I'm the bottleneck. Uh, it was me. I was, I've been the bottleneck. We're always bottleneck, the bottleneck. So that is, I'm going to, re- listen, I'm going to, I'm keeping myself accountable. That's that's one of the biggest reasons I'm doing this show right now. I am going to, <laughs> over the next, I- I'll say week, when you guys see this next episode, it'll probably be in a couple weeks for you guys from what it is right now. I'm going to remove myself as the bottleneck. I'm going to let my team members take control of the things that they keep telling me that they think we should do. And we're going to innovate. I'm going to let them run with it. I'm going to be there and make sure that we don't, you know, go belly up, of course, but that's the only yeah. thing I'm going to well, do. Well, the worst
0: the worst thing, Derek, that will happen in your company is if you have things that are failing and no one says anything. If, if, if you were not, exce- if you weren't excelling and your team just stood there and just said, yep, all you have is people there that are just, it's just a job. And, and that's okay. Like you get to a certain size, you need some people like that. I'm not knocking people like that. I'm just saying you're very fortunate that you have people that are like, hey, this isn't working. Let's try to fix it. And you need to let them spread their wings a little bit and those are going to be more than likely the ones that can learn how to fail gracefully without maximum loss or, or hit at their pride. Those are the ones that are going to actually excel as the leaders in your company in the future. Mm.
1: No, yeah, no, I'm grateful for my team. I literally wouldn't be here if I wasn't for them. They do so much. They take so, so much pressure, so much stress. And, you know, as for anybody listening who might be at the way, way earlier stages and who might be just starting to maybe hire one or two people, when you do your entire, you know, the whole game changes. Like I literally every day when I'm waking up, I'm waking up for the team before it was like waking up for me, you know, for the company to make more revenue. Now it's like, what can I do today to add more value to the team, to add more value to the clients? And with the goal of doing that is going to help grow. And I think that I had that mindset, but I wasn't letting it actually t- happen. Like I was the bottleneck between, Hey, I'm giving them what they need to grow and to excel, but I'm not letting them take what, like do the steps they need to do. I'm stopping them from actually doing it. I'm being really counterintuitive and, and blocking things from actually happening. So I'm going to, why do you think that it.
0: is? What do, what do you have when you're blocking it? What's going through your mi- mind?
1: I'll tell you right now. I don't even have to think about it. It's, um, and this is going to get really vulnerable and honest. I have never been in the position that I'm in right now, right? I have, I'm leading a team of, you know, six people potentially by tomorrow right now it's five, you know, I'm making a decent amount of money at 18 years old. I've never been in this position. And the last thing I want to do is lose it because I couldn't be more grateful for I am. So that is the only thing holding me back that like, so I have so let's work
0: through. Let's work through that. Let's work through that. So I'm going to help you out on this. So, so first of all, you have to be vulnerable and have that conversation with your team. You don't try to pretend to be the c e o that has the answers when you don't, so just so you know when I go to my team all the time, literally I just messaged one of my team members and i said i've tried to build this department twice, and I have failed twice. I need you, I can't do it <laughs> and they're like encouraging me, no no, no, you could do it, and I'm like, no, I've already tried, tried twice I have to have you that's that's why I hired you because i can't I can't do it so i'm I'm constantly having to be vulnerable, and that doesn't mean you a lot of times people mistake vulnerability for um, like, like this false humility, like you can still say what you're good at and say, man, this is what I'm good at guys, but here's what I stink at. Here's where I'm learning and do it exactly the way you just did it. That was beautiful. That's number one. Number two is how long did it take you to build to where you're at?
1: We're going on about seven months now, eight months.
0: Okay. So it took you seven months. So let's say you lose everything. Let's say you go to zero. What's worst case scenario for you? I see where this is
1: going. Yeah, I'll be back up and running within half a year. I can see <laughs> you,
0: where it's going. maybe probably better, fa- probably faster because yeah. you've Eighters, learned some I, things yeah. now, right? Yeah. Now, now when you get up to a certain size, it gets it gets scarier, and you want to protect yourself more and all that kind of stuff. And well, we can talk about that later. But that's that's the worst. So you're playing with you're playing with seven months at 18 years old, which to you is probably like, eh. to me, I'm like seven months is a long time, right? But when you're 18 years old, seven months seems like a long time. But that's really fast to grow to where you've been. You would yeah. be. You'll be fine. Everything will be fine.
1: Yeah, I know. I needed to hear that for sure. I definitely. Did. I have been probably since the beginning. I mean, at least the last couple of months, I've been the definitely been the main roadblock. Like that is, and if you remember, Gary, um, three four months ago, before even the show was barely even an idea. I didn't even think about it yet. I came to you during a mastermind and we had a similar conversation and it was, it was along the lines of, Hey, I'm making this money and I'm not sure what to do with it. Like, how do I invest it? How much do I invest? And that was when you first told me about the profit first model and all that. And since then I've invested a lot more of it since then I've doubled my business and all this stuff, but I'm back in the same position where now the business has doubled and I have more money again, and I'm so nervous to reinvest it, but I know that it's the right thing to do. Um, so again, keeping myself accountable, I'm gonna do it. I'm doing it. I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna come back to you guys when I do it. Probably smiling even more because hopefully the business will double again. Uh, yeah, but no, and there's le-
0: there's levels to this, right? So when you're when you're at the size that you're at, you can't go hire a ten or twenty thousand dollar leader, right? Yeah, somebody who's making ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars a month to be like a high level leader because they they're gonna solve the problem for you you're not there yet. So you have a lot more growing to do a lot more because eventually that's where you're going to get to. You're going to get to the place where you have that much money to hire multiple positions. And I remember, I it was just a couple of years ago that I was like, man, I want to have several people on our team making $10,000 plus. And, and this would be for inflation. So keep that in mind. So it's, that number's actually gone up a little bit. But I wanted, I was like, I want to have... 10 people. So in my mind, Derek, I had to build a company that number one, those people want to come work at. But number two, I had to have the money to be able to afford that. So yep. both of those things were things that I wanted to work towards because I knew that would help me get better to help help my situation in the future in creating the environment that I wanted to work in.
1: Yeah, no, that resonates with me a lot. Cause again, I've become so team centric. And when we had our team meeting yesterday, I actually said that I was like, guys, listen, I want you to be paid more. Like I'm doing everything in my power for you guys to be paid more. Like the investments that I am making, which I do, of course, every month, I think I just got to ramp it up are all to make more money so I could pay the team more. And like every month I reevaluate, Hey, who can I pay more this month? Who deserves to be paid more this month? And that that's a little bit of a, you know, a balance there, right? Cause if they don't, earn it it, yeah that can get out of hand and that and that's a whole nother you know topic but i really needed that yeah yeah, no, and uh, bonuses is the way to solve that. But no, I really yeah. needed that. I needed that, you know, to be held accountable for that. And I think I have to get out of the company's way, let the team do what they do best, give them the resources that they need and let them at this point kind of lead me. I think I'm kind of getting to that level where they're telling me, hey, do this. We need to do this. And I'm not letting them or giving them the resources. To well,
0: do rather than saying lead, uh, it's support, right? So you mm. support them to do what they're good at. So you you can't, it's impossible for you to to do everybody's job in the company. If everybody quit tomorrow, if everybody said, we're going on strike, what would happen to your company? It'd be just as bad as if you lost all your clients, right? Like you can't, you need all these, yeah, it'd be worse. You need all those functions to be able to be a successful business. So with that in mind, how do I support you to be successful? What can I do for you to make sure that you're being successful and you're able to innovate. And now one area that I would say to be really careful on this, and we've talked about this before, is you don't want people building systems who are also managing people who are also being technicians. And I think you've figured that out, but that yeah. doesn't mean you can't innovate and test things because creative people love testing new things.
1: Yeah. No, see that actually, it's funny enough. It's a really interesting balance there because I've been on that balance Every day when I speak to anyone on my team, that's what I tell them. Guys, I'm here to support you. What can I do to help you succeed? I, th- I ask that exact question. I have biweekly meetings with every single person. That is question number six on the sheet. And I ask them that as the last question, and they give me feedback. And luckily enough, so far, they've told me I'm, like you know, they feel really supported and that they have everything they need, which I'm grateful for. But I ask them that all the time. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is, like you said, You know, combining everything we've discussed today in this episode so far, which to me has been really valuable, and I hope it's providing valuable value to whoever's listening or watching. When you give your team the room to innovate, Gary, right? How do you make sure that I don't – how do I make sure that I don't make that mistake again where I give them room to innovate, but then they get burnt out because they're building systems and they're being the technician because that's what, you know, innovating sometimes takes. You know, as entrepreneurs, we know that. What are your thoughts? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's it's really, really hard. I'm actually working with this on several different people. So there's certain people on my team. You have to know your team, right? It's just like having kids. Some some of your kids may be better at sports and you would let them play sports and others you're like, you know what? You're not going to play sports. You're better at developing computers and things like that. I'm going to focus. Like you, you can't try to take those two kids and say you do this and you do this because those are different skill sets that they were literally born with that they're going to be chasing and, and pursuing. And it's very similar with your team. So like I have, I have people who report to me that are a world-class managers, like world-class runs. I'm, and this is one of my, my weaknesses is managing and I've gotten better. I've worked on it, but that's my area of management or that management's my biggest weakness. And I tell people that I can't manage a huge team. I, I just can't, right? Like I can't have a bunch of direct reports. And so I can see her and I can see that she's an amazing manager. Well, when she first started, I tried to have her build some systems too. And that wasn't her strength. And if I could have focused on that and been like, oh, you're just not the right person. No, of course she's the right person. I just had to support her and bring in people to build the system for her and allow her to give that input. I have other people who are like me and can kind of build the system and kind of do a little bit of everything. And I just offer the support and I say, hey, I'll come in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have so-and-so come in, build the system. We're gonna do this. And they were like, Gary, I wanna do it. And I was like, are you sure? I don't want you burning up. Yes, I want to do it. Cool. So those were two different people. I approached it totally different. I managed it different because they're two different people. So it really depends on the skill set of the individual. I think where you're going to have the hardest time, Derek, is when people are younger, they actually don't know what they want and they don't know what they're good at. And so this, what I would do, and this is something that when I had a younger team, I did all the time. What are you passionate about? You need to figure it out. That's your responsibility, not mine. Figure out what you're passionate about. I will do my best to support you, whether it's in SMC or outside of SMC. But I want you doing what you're passionate about. Life is too short to be doing something you're not passionate about. And I would say that over and over and over and over again. And I have noticed that when I'm working with somebody who's much younger and they don't know that yet, it's really hard to manage that person because they just don't know. So you need to help them figure that out. That's really the first thing that they need support around.
1: Yeah, no, that, again, like I said, a lot of this episode is blowing my mind. It's, um, I have that conversation pretty often with the team and and you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of my team, you know, we're 18, 19, 20, 22, like we're young, really young. So, and I, um, it has been a problem in the past, like that exact situation, like, hey, I don't know if this is what I want to do. And I help them get to a point in the company that's better, or I help them transition somewhere else. I have had to do that in the past. Like I've given them other opportunities elsewhere and stuff like that. Um, But I mean, you're right. Like that has been a, a thing. But I think for me, where I was really confused and probably one of a big part of why I was being a bottleneck and what was causing me to, you know, be the roadblock, I was under the impression that I would have to be so careful now after making the mistake of, hey, I can't let the same person, you know, build a system. That for me, for whatever reason, it's the number one, on that six dot. build a system yeah. and then execute it on it. But then when you combine all of it and you just framed it perfectly for me, it's really comes down to the individual. It's not that like you can't and it's like a golden rule. It's that if there's somebody who's like basically an outlier who comes to you and they're like, hey, I want to innovate. I want to help you execute and I want to do A, B, C and D. I got to let them do it. I got to let them do it. Yeah. The worst that happens is they fail and I have to let them fail and encourage their failure. Is well, that some,
0: Sometimes too, innovation is fun. So you got to remember that, right? So when I do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, I get bored of it. And then when you give me an opportunity to innovate, it's actually refreshing. So that's different than building a system. Building a system for most entrepreneurs is daunting. It's a hard thing. And so that's where you can br- provide a lot more support. So I would say these people who are doing the thing, the technicians they're your best bet. If they're really good at what they do, they're your best bet for innovation in that space. And I would bring that to them, but that's different than saying, Hey, now build a whole system around that new innovation that you just built and integrate it into my company. That's the difference. So let's say that, you know, one of your guys goes out there and just crushes it and they innovate and they have the new thing, the new product, and everybody loves it. And it's going to be the next best thing but it's totally different than what you do right now. It it really throws a, a a kink in your whole system. Well, if you went to them and said, "Now build the system." So they're the technician, they're the innovator, and they're the one building the system. That's going to if they can do that, bro, <laughs> they shouldn't be working for you. They should just go start their own business, right? Cuz that that is so hard, so hard to do. So I think that's where it comes in. It's like knowing when to step in. And provide the support based on who you're working with and what position they're in. Now, on the flip side, you would never go to the system person who the person who the project manager helps build the system and say, "Hey, we need to innovate on our video editing." Would you? You yeah. wouldn't do that, right? Because that would suck the life out of them. They'd be like, "What do you mean innovate? Well, we got to do something totally new. It needs to be awesome, and our customers need to love it." They're gonna. It's gonna literally drain the life and suck it right out of them because they're going to it's going to be the most stressful thing same thing to the creative person trying to have them build the system to integrate with your company
1: i don't get left speeches often this is the fourth time this episode i am being left speechless <laughs> i really i hope that through our conversation you guys are picking up on these you know these tips these you know tidbits is the there's a lot word, of nuance, value yeah yeah that nuance right it's um Listen, I think this episode has been for me super helpful. I really hope it's been helpful for everybody you know listening or watching. Uh, you know, to sum it all up, right, started the episode talking about you know, I'm having a problem with sales, getting leads in and I mean you gave me what I need to do for it, right? the show and how we're gonna do it. We then pivoted to, hey, now how do I position myself properly to not be a commodity and how you could potentially, you know whoever's listening watching, do the same, right? How do you differentiate yourself? get clear on exactly what you're selling? And even more important, exactly what the value that you know your clients or your ideal prospects actually want when those two things are succinct, to Gary's point, that's when it's off to the races. And I think for me, bits and pieces of both of those things are not in sync right now, and I have to figure that out and get clear on that. And then um don't be your own roadblock. I am, you know, admitting I'm being vulnerable. I think I am the roadblock in my company right now. I am the bottleneck and I have to, you know, de-bottleneck that by removing myself as that, you know, cork, so to speak. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to keep myself accountable and next week I'm going to be back here and I'm going to share you guys how that goes. Gary, any you know final You're thoughts? You're killing
0: it, man. Yeah, I I I would say this. This is really helpful to me cuz I would never shoot a podcast on this like of a new, this much of a nuance and go into these kind of details. So I love that we get the opportunity to work through this and it actually helps me because I'm going through similar things just at a different end of the spectrum. And I, I I cannot wait to see you at 50,000, a hundred thousand, 200,000, 300,000, 400,000, and start to work through some of these higher levels. Like how do I hire a C-suite? How do I hire a, a team of directors? How do I hire my managers? How do I and and we're we're gonna end up getting there, and I'm super excited about that because I can see it developing and working that way.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely can too. I'm super grateful for this show and I can really hope we're providing value. You guys, let us know your thoughts on it. Seriously, if you have questions you want me to ask Gary, please drop them in the YouTube comments and go to our TikTok, our Instagram. We're literally on every platform. I think well, Gary, you're putting some content on Twitter now, right? So like I, I yeah, I'm check dropping them on everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> they're everywhere go ask questions I'll ask them to Gary and you know real quick to your point oh we
0: have a show we have a show uh, website too
1: oh yes 8 right yep. here you guys can check it out 8 there. All the links there. yep yes yes I'm sorry if that wasn't clear there 8figureagencyshow.com you guys check out all our the links there just let I me mean, real quick if there's one thing I noticed, one of my biggest takeaways is even, you know, Gary and I drastically the different levels, right? We're still experiencing, like you said, similar problems, just at different levels of the spectrum. To me, that has blown my mind. Like, I never knew that. Like, he, he still was, was getting vulnerable and explaining about, hey, we're redoing sales teams. I'm like, I don't even have a sales team, but I'm still focused on the set. Like, it's crazy to me. I'm having so much fun. Great for you guys listening. <laughs> thank you for being here. Like the, sh- like the video, leave a review, and uh, thank you guys so much for watching. Listen. listening.